the statistics don't lie and it does work. So it's a wild concept to kind of wrap your head around. But really what you want to be doing is you want to be looking at the tags of comparable games. Side quest accepted. Other indie developers, you would be considered a larger studio. Your budget is higher, but then your returns have to hit certain goals. And if they don't, then it hits your bottom line and it impacts whether you can move forward. So in that kind of indie space, for you guys, this is your first game. This is a new experience for you as a full-scale team together. How do you approach that from a strategy standpoint? I actually think the opposite. We're in a unique space that majority of games that are released yeah. are indie games from tiny developers, mm -hmm. but majority of of game revenues mm -hmm. do not come from Indies. So I, I remember reading a statistic about game development industry's revenues, yeah. and it was at around 163 billion US dollars mm -hmm. uh, for that year. Only 1 billion was generated from indie developers. So it's a very tiny amount of money that's made from a huge portion of developers. If we were doing indie games, we would have to compete in that relatively tiny space. Mm -hmm. The problem with AAA games, and, and I spoke with a couple of publishers who, who talked about this is that in a AAA game, you're investing 50 to 200 million US dollars into a game and you have to sell millions of copies in order to get your money back. That's very risky. Whereas what AA does is A, we are no longer competing with indie, which allows us to differentiate ourselves. But for compared to AAA, we don't need 50 to 200 million dollars revenue, but we still have the capability to create the same amount of return. On Steam, because I was digging into the Unity thing, I was looking at the Steam's numbers and like indie developers, and I didn't realize this, but the top 10% of Steam games make 90% of Steam's income, which is a mind-boggling. Exactly. It's mind-boggling. Like, exactly. It's a mind-numbing number, right? Because it's just... Most games don't make money on Steam. Yeah, I saw that like Steam, on average, you only sell like two to 5,000 units or something like that. And that's, that's insane to me because yeah. there's so many indie developers. And then there was another statistic that said games that are priced, I think it was like $15 and up, sell like 70% better than games that are priced lower yeah. than that. It's immediately a positioning yeah. that allows you to be like, okay, now we're there. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of indie developers, when they put their games on Steam, because I've talked to some, and they'll be like, well, we'll price it lower, right? We'll make it friendly for players, like five, ten bucks, and then they'll buy it more. You'll have more volume. But it's almost like know your own volume, or know your own value, rather, because if you price it higher, yeah. then people are like, oh, that's probably better quality, which is an interesting mindset to wrap your head around. But apparently, the statistics don't lie, and it does work. So it's a wild concept to kind of wrap your head around. There's also one extra thing that uh, is very important about Steam and mm -hmm. how Steam works. Yeah. The Steam algorithm helps you when you shock the system. There are a couple of ways to shock the system, like trailer announcement with press coverage, or mm -hmm. your video goes viral on TikTok, or you have a really good Reddit post. Or you participate in a festival, which oftentimes with games that are released means mm -hmm. discounts. Yeah. Oftentimes what happens is you're gonna have 30%, 40%, 70%, discount. Yes, you might sell a lot of copies, but when you only make $2 on each copy, 
it's because it discounted it. your game and Steam takes 30 percent it doesn't yeah. matter how many copies you sell at that point you have to sell 10 million copies to yeah. to you have that same return yeah, uh, yeah. so that's why you should be actually pricing your game even higher because you're going to be on on discount a lot of the time and the other important thing is that so the reason why a lot of people collect wishlist besides proof that you're going to sell is that when you release your game and when you give a discount steam sends out an email to all the people who wishlisted the game and 10 to 20 percent of your wishlist will convert to a sale so if you have a hundred thousand wishlists that means you're going to sell at least 10 to 20 thousand copies ballpark but uh, the reason i brought this up is the wishlist discount email only goes out if you discount your game at least 20 percent oh okay so caveat this there. is actually really important <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's really good information to have. So when you say shock the system, that's what you mean. You mean like get a get a big rush of bring a um, lot of wish people lists. there, a yep. lot of external traffic, and mm-hmm. that kickstarts the Steam algorithm. I see. Okay. So okay. if you don't discount your game by twenty percent, no email will go out. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. I got you. But like having a website, having pop-ups where you collect emails and you keep people in the loop, and you have newsletters and things like that, like that's the most valuable asset ever to have when yeah. you're making a game. Because then you have direct yeah, reach to them. Yeah, I mean, I do have a background in marketing before mm-hmm. I got into game development. And yeah. At the time, what we were looking at was use social media, mm-hmm. social channels to funnel people into your mailing list. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you can do what you. For you though, I mean, you're you're a developer. When you look at your wish list and you look at other developers out there, what's like what's a benchmark wish list for you in your opinion? Like, what should you hit before your game launches? I want to hit at least a hundred thousand wish lists I see. by okay. the time we launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not there yet, but one thing we have to be careful with is if we get a lot of wish lists now, twelve months before you launch is when you should be really collecting your wish list because over time it fizzles out. So the actual conversion rate of wishlist drops significantly after the 12 months line. But yeah, 100,000 would be the amount that I would be going for or above. I see. Uh, technically, to get into the popular upcoming on Steam, mm-hmm. the minimum you need, as far as I know, is 7,000. Mm-hmm. But you should be aiming for higher. So if you are planning on releasing on Steam, there's a free Steam course from how to market your game. Very useful because it's a lot of things that make sense on how it should work on Steam and it doesn't work like that. So for example, tags. Uh, The way I thought tags worked is my game is a third person game. That sounds like I should end this on the tag list Mm -hmm. or we have dragons, end that in. Yeah. The ordering obviously matters because first five and six to ten is what, what really, really is considered by Steam the last five minutes. And you can yeah. add up to 20 tags. But what I thought that I'm going to tag my game and then that will help people search. But really what you want to be doing is you want to be looking at the tags of comparable games. So how most people shop on Steam is, yeah. oh, this game looks like the one I played. Cool, let's try it. So there's a price where you can check what your game is tagged online that are first three games that we think we are similar to show up there. Like looking out at newer developers, whether it's solo or whatever it may be, somebody just starting out, what would be like advice you would give them? So first thing first, don't start solo. Why? It's not because it can't be done, but it's because 
you're good at something. Like, let's say I'm a software engineer. Yeah. I'm terrible at art. If you look at my art, you're going to be either laughing or or be afraid because it's like, holy, what is that? <laughs> um, Stick figures so all day. I'm, I'm good at code. Yeah. For me to learn how to do art is mm. going to take me months, even years to mm. reach the level where where I can competitively do art. I see. Uh, and then you also need audio. You need, you need to write the whole story. Making a game is extremely complicated. And, and the other thing is, if you work with an artist, you're gonna get their skills right now. And they're going to be better than you, even if you spend that time, that extra one year to scale up yourself. Advice number two, don't make an MMORPG. I would even say don't make a multiplayer game because that complicates things a lot, especially if this is your first game. Mm -hmm. Try to make something small that you can sell and that you can deliver. Which is why the majority of games you see on Steam from smaller developers are, you know, platformers or roguelikes or, you know, Metroidvanias. Yes. Because it's an easy, safe, quick way to yeah. start. Yeah. That's actually a really good segue into my point break. Indies gonna hate me for saying that, but <laughs> do not make a puzzle platformer. Not because they are bad, because they don't sell. So for us, one of the most important decisions was making a game in a genre that sells well. Because the reason for this is even if you're not a hit, you're still gonna be able to make a second game. Only goal of your first game for you as a developer is mm. to be able to make a second one. Yep. Because your second one is going to be more successful and it's gonna sell more more copies. Yep. It's gonna be cheaper for you to produce because you have already made a game before so you can use some of the tech you built. Yep. And you have an audience that you can sell to. Give me the elevator pitch for this game, right? Tell me about the gameplay, the story, if there is a story. Chronos Within is a medieval fantasy body game, body game being like bad boys or yeah. stuff, where you go on a quest to save the kidnapped prince mm -hmm. in a land that's filled with the evil dragons. That's probably the short version. It's a cooperative two-player action game mm -hmm. with third-person combat with puzzle solving. So yep. puzzle solving, all our puzzles are co-op only. I see. You cannot solve puzzles yourself, so you need the other person to work out things. There are multiple ways to do that. There's not no single solution. The idea is that you go back and you can do it completely differently mm -hmm. uh, six, seven times. I see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. If you have ever played The Last of Us, what we're going for story-wise is our two main characters, kind of like in El Dorado, Miguel and Tulio. Mm -hmm. They're going to be bantering throughout the whole game, but it's way less grim mm -hmm. than The Last of Us and much more on the side of like taking the piss at each other. That's that's the main angle. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about what Devil Dragons are before, but Devil Dragons in our world mm -hmm. used to be the classic dragons. We call them prime dragons, which you see in Game of Thrones, big powerful dragons, my mm -hmm. breathing kind of stuff. Yep. But these dragons has, start, uh, has started to lose potency over time. Oh, okay. Um, due to the disappearance of magic, which is what powered them. And they started to de-evolve. So they started to be worse and worse at being dragons. The way they look now is like domesticated animals, but... Huh. <laughs> okay, I got you. Pug dragon is one where like you can play fetch with it and it smells out gold. The cow dragon, which we don't have in the game yet, but I really want it, <laughs> is a dragon that gives milk, but it's a little bit spicy because it's a dragon. Uh, Makes sense. The, uh, how to train your dragon was a big inspiration for this. Uh, I love We want to have all these like random weird dragons mm. that are part of society here. Yeah. 
they are used to just use as farm animals mm. or, or sometimes wild animals, but they are not the most dangerous things you can you can encounter. There's another type of dragon that you will, but I don't want to spoil it, uh, the story. I see. Uh, but you're going to be fighting dragons, but those are not the evil dragons. As we approach the end of 2023, as we're going into 2024, what does your content schedule look like? And with this game right now, you don't have a publisher. What does that outlook look like moving into next year? And how are you approaching that? Yeah, so by uh, early 2024 is when we want to sign mm-hmm. uh, a publishing deal. I think that's when it's going to be timely. Yeah. Because uh, we're at the beginning of going into production. Mm-hmm. Until this point, we were in pre-production. What we are looking at is 2020, early 2024, scale up the team into full production capacity, mm-hmm. uh, which is the 25, 25 people. Uh, with a bunch of new artists coming in. In general, if if you're not a developer and listening, how this normally works is pre-production is when you build a lot of your tech, all all, all the things that you need to answer mm-hmm. before you go into production, which is similar to a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Like you produce all the things you need for the game, like produce a level, yep. build all the enemies there, next level, next level, and that's that's what production is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That's why you want to answer all your questions before you go into production so you don't have any like, oh, wait, we can't do this. Didn't see that coming. Uh, yeah, what yeah, now? Yep. <laughs> um, so that we're getting to the stage where we can start producing. I see. Okay. Which is, which is going to be really exciting because hmm. we have so many new enemies and levels that um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So 2024 is where people are going to really start seeing a whole lot of stuff about this game, huh? Yes. Yeah. No, I was just thinking of timelines. Yes, they, they're going to see a lot of stuff. If you would like to support us, uh, please uh, go on our Steam page. The game is called Criminals Within and wishlist it. Mm-hmm. And it actually is very, very helpful for us because it helps us get on the Steam's front page when we mm-hmm. please. Yeah. Which means a lot more people will be able to play the game. And it's easier for us to sign a publisher as well. So please do that.